Are your clients asking about the employee retention credit, R&D tax credits, cost segregation, energy credits or deductions, or the work opportunity credit? Do you lack answers or expertise in your firm to serve these specialty tax incentives? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, TriMerit, later in the episode. March 31st, 1995, Corpus Christi, Texas. Police surround a red pickup in a Days Inn parking lot. Yolanda Saldivar sits inside, hysterical and holding a 38 caliber revolver to her head. Nine and a half hours later, she's taken into custody for the murder of a woman she describes as her best friend. That best friend? Tejano Pops superstar, Selena Quintanilla. The murder occurred just three weeks after and as a direct result of Selena confronting Yolanda for allegedly embezzling $30,000. If you'd like to earn CPE credit for listening to this episode, visit earmarkcpe.com. Download the app, take a short quiz, and get your CPE certificate. Continuing education has never been so easy. And now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to Oh My Fraud, a true crime podcast about fraud, not murder. Except every now and then, when it's a true crime podcast about fraud and murder. I'm Greg Kite. And I'm Caleb Newquist. Caleb, uh, before we get into... Uh, our case for today. Yeah. I just wanted to take a minute to read a, a listener review real quick. Oh, I would love to hear a listener review. <laughs> because a nice, the, a nice listener review. Right, right. And this is one that's going to lift our spirits. Uh, Drayden Scott says, I stumbled upon this podcast by accident and I just love it. I only wish there were more episodes. They tackle each story with knowledge and education, but in a really fun, engaging manner. I wish my industry doled out CE in such an entertaining way. That's fantastic. He, I don't know what industry he's in. I would like to think it's probably engineering. I guess that's a possibility. It's my guess. All right. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, I'm I'm not totally sure how you stumble upon this podcast, though, by accident. Right. Uh, right. You know, were you searching for WTF with Mark Marin because it's a pretty easy one to find? Um, but maybe it auto corrected. You know, WTF to OMF. I suppose it's possible. Uh, oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah, those those keys aren't very close on the keyboard even. So yeah, is it a fat I, finger error? It might yeah, be a fat that's a really fat, the fattest <laughs> of fingers, fat finger error. Uh, but regardless, it doesn't matter. Uh, Drayden Scott, we're so glad you found us, and uh, whoever's listening to us right now, we're glad you found us too. And uh, we're glad he's, that uh, for nice reviews. That's just a thing to be thankful for. It is. And if you like Oh My Fraud, please take a minute to write us a review. Hey, it might help other people stumble upon it fat finger or no fat finger uh hopefully they will find it and they will enjoy it as well awesome so getting into the case today caleb today's case takes us deep into the world of music specifically tahano music which is a genre that i was at best just barely aware of 
and arguably the best Tejano music came from Selena Quintanilla, better known as just Selena. Uh, Selena was tragically murdered. That's why there's been movies made about her. That's why Netflix has a TV series about her. But at the heart of the story is a fraud, and the fraud has unfortunately been both downplayed and overlooked in the popular media. So if you're not familiar with the roots of Tejano music, it can be traced back as far as the 1930s and 1940s. It often has a dominant accordion instrumentation to it. And it kind of, if you if you stop for a second and think about it, you go, oh, this actually does sound kind of like polka. And it's it's mm-hmm. very, when you, you look into the, the history of, of Tejano music, it was very much influenced by polka. Uh, and then in 1981, Selena y Los Dinos, and Los Dinos was her band, which was largely her family, uh, but then as they, they had to build out the band and it became more and more other people and a, a smaller port of her family, but it, it, her, her band was always a big chunk uh, family business. But Selena y Los Dinos began performing and touring and playing Tejano music. Interesting fact, Caleb, uh, yes. Tejano music is is almost exclusively sung in Spanish, oh. but Selena and her uh, brother and sister who were in the band with her were, are Mexican-American, and mm-hmm. they grew up speaking only English, so they had to learn Spanish to oh. be able to perform Tejano music because... That was that was the genre that their dad, who was their manager, was like, This is this is where we need to go to make to make our band successful. So she she learned Spanish to sing the songs. Selena's popularity was meteoric. In nineteen eighty six at age fifteen, fifteen, yeah. she won female vocalist of the year at the Tejano Music Awards. And for the next eleven years, she won either female vocalist of the year or female entertainer of the year. Almost always both. In 1994, jumping ahead a bit, but in 1994, at the age of 23, her live album won the Grammy for Best Mexican American Album. Selena's fan base was exploding, and with Selena's father's permission, super Abraham. fan. Abraham is his name, is it not? It is. Yep. Okay. Abraham Quintanilla. So who actually, fun fact, he was in a band called Los Dinos uh, when he was a younger man. Oh. Which is where the name Los Dinos came from. And his band had had a little bit of success. They recorded some albums and they got some local airtime on the radio. But uh, once he started having a family, the pressures of family made him step away from his dream. But then he gave it new birth with his children and with their talent that they were showing uh, as young kids. Fabulous. So with Abraham Quintanilla's permission, superfan Yolanda Saldivar started the Selena fan club in 1991. And again, it's it's some of the some of the accounts of the story are pieced together from different sources that I was able to find. The the sense I got was that somehow Yolanda just got the family's phone number and kind of <laughs> pestered them until wow. they were like, fine, start a fan cl- club. And that was Yolanda's introduction to the Selena, uh, the factory. Um, that kind of, isn't that how all fan clubs start? It, it, well, the most and, annoying fan is the oh, one who ends up running the fan club. 
Oh, I've got to assume if anyone was famous enough to where a fan club started spontaneously, whoever's mm. running that fan club has got to be just a piece of work. Like, yeah. Like, like the, for example, I do not want to meet the person who's going to run the Oh My Fraud fan club. I don't yeah. want to meet that person. <laughs> yeah. You just, just start it. the club. Just start the club. But you can't use our likeness without our permission, and we're going to take our cut, okay? But just start the fucking club. You don't have to talk to us. The, which is impossible because – well, and that's – and I think that's really – We'll just tell you where to send the money. <laughs> With Yolanda, part of the reason why she was a super fan is that she desperately wanted – to meet Selena and to be a friend to Selena. Mm. And and interestingly enough, by running the fan club, and she ran it successfully, um, by running the fan club, she was able to do exactly that. She met Selena and she, she like I said, because of her success with the fan club, she and Selena were, were pals because of that. Yolanda was, interestingly enough, Yolanda lived in San Antonio, Texas, mm -hmm. which is just about two hours northwest of Corpus Christi, which is Selena's hometown, and that was kind of the base of her operations. Um, and may, uh, I, may, may I just say? Yes. Has been, has, that has been established on prior episodes. And I, this is a little bit of a sidebar. So apologies to those of you who like a linear storyline. <laughs> Relax. We're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking keep your pants on. It has been established and it. I will. I, it is. I feel it incumbent upon myself to disclose that our Texas geography is for shit on this it's, show. It's pretty bad to the point. So where I checked and double checked what I just said before I put right. it on. So paper. I don't know for a fact off the top of my head that San Antonio is two hours northwest of Corpus Christi. So please, if you feel so moved, just double check Craig's homework, okay? Yeah. That's all I'm, that, yeah. Do that but, and then start a fan club for us. <laughs> so, uh, Back to the story. Yeah, so Yolanda uh, helming the Selena fan club, she grew it from nothing to 1,500 members by 1993. And the fan club was apparently set up as a nonprofit too. So people people would pay you know money to be members of the fan club. They'd get some swag for that, and mm. the the profits were donated to various charities. Uh, Selena wasn't just an incredible musician, need, which needs to be pointed out. Uh, Selena also loved clothing, and she designed a lot of the clothes that she and Los Dinos would wear on stage. As an ambitious up-and-coming cultural icon, she had a dream that she wanted to start her own clothing line. And along with that, her own uh, boutique clothing stores. And her dream was realized in, Jan uh, in January of 1994 when uh, Selena Etc. was opened in Corpus Christi, uh, which was exactly that. It was a boutique clothing store they also had you know obviously they sold selena's music and they sold memorabilia and like concert uh stuff at the store so the, as well so may i yes so if i understand right the boutiques were like selena themed then they sold selena merchandise do i have yes. that right yes Got it. but but okay. but well here's the thing so she partnered with fashion designer martine gomez Okay. Uh, so basically, she would she she would have these sketches of of 
clothing. And, and again, even before that, like the clothing that she designed for the band to wear, she would make it. Like mm-hmm, either mm-hmm. either she would she would buy something and then she would uh, em- embellish it to be exactly what she wanted, or even she would make she would just make the clothes herself from scratch. So when she teamed up with Martine Gomez, uh, they were making so so you could go in and you could buy like a jacket that was that that if it was not exactly it was very similar to something you saw Selena wearing on stage. It didn't oh. say Selena in los dinos across it. It was just very nice clothing that that you could go. Oh my gosh, these clothes were made by the person whose music I also love. Yep. So it was it was really and, and there's there's other. I mean, I, I'm sure you're aware. There's other celebrities who have branched off into different merchandise. Oh yeah. Uh, to, you know, and and it, interestingly enough, Jennifer Lopez, who played Selena in the movie mm-hmm. Selena, has kind of. Uh, there's a lot of. People have pointed out the similarities between what Jennifer Lopez has done and what Selena wanted to do because Jennifer Lopez mm. has her own line of clothing. She's got a whole she's got a whole industry of Jennifer Lopez not and not not merch in the sense that like you'd think of concert, but like merch in terms of all sorts of products that are Jennifer Lopez products. Yeah, brand. Yeah, a brand. Now, um, her clothing line like it was called martin gomez exclusively for selena and that was the clothing line that was sold in her boutiques uh, along with like i said her music and memorabilia but interestingly enough her boutiques and because she insisted on it her boutiques uh, even had a full service beauty salon inside there so you could you could have a like makeover day i'm gonna go get my hair done my nails done and a whole new set of clothes and it's all selena Selena's dad, slash manager, was a businessman. He had opened his own restaurant. He managed the band. He started his own record company and studio. But when Selena's empire expanded into retail, he couldn't really help. Uh, he was, he was <laughs> obviously, he was busy. And it seems like there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, there was so always just... Spr- the, there was a lot of hustle in the Quintanilla family. A lot of hustling going on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, kudos... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, there's only so much you can do, right? Right. So Selena's recording and touring schedule precluded her from running the boutiques herself, naturally. Right. She also she, being spread too thin. Right. Busy, on the road, whatever. She needed someone she knew and trusted to run these businesses, so she turned to Yolanda. In the fall of 1994, Yolanda became the manager of the boutiques. Yes, boutiques plural shortly after opening the store in Corpus Christi a second location opened in San Antonio and plans were quickly underway to start a third in Monterey Mexico and it felt like and again this it's hard to it, it was hard to do some of the research for this case because I because I watched if if I if it wasn't already clearly stated I watched the movie and the Netflix uh, series on Selena so some of the stuff that that's portrayed in the in in those TV shows and movies. I couldn't back it up with any of the other research that I did, but uh, but at least from the from the TV show specifically, it sounded like it was one of those hiring decisions where it's like Selena was trying to run them herself mm. and just couldn't do it effectively. Sure. 
And so they were like, it was almost like, okay, this isn't working. Who do we know anybody that we think could do it? And somebody was like, maybe Yolanda, she's done a good job with the the fan club. And they're like, cool, call her, see if she'll do it. And they call, and she was like, yes, I can do it. And You're hired. So, so again, if that, I don't know if that's uh, if that's just fiction to make a good TV to make good TV, or if that's really how it happened. But also, again, like we said before, it was pretty clear that oh. Through her role, at least with the fan club, there it was more than like you said, just a just a, there's some weirdo who's running the fan club, and I don't know who she is, and I don't <laughs> want to know who she is. There was there was an actual relationship that developed, so um, so which obviously was I'm sure instrumental in them landing on her, even if they didn't vet her skills as being able to manage a retail store thoroughly. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by Trimerit. It seems like every week a new questionable ERC mill pops up offering small businesses a way to get $26,000 from the government for each one of their employees. We've all seen Twitter ads, Facebook ads, ads in podcasts, ads on Instagram, ads on TV shows, and I even personally know a guy here in Utah who's been charged with fraud for false ERC claims totaling $11 million. These questionable ERC mills are coming hard after your clients. If they haven't reached them already, they will soon. And based on the stories I've been hearing from accountants, the IRS will be reaching out to them soon too. This is why when it comes to ERC, it's important to have the right people, the right process, and the right partner. Introducing TriMerit. TriMerit is a team of CPAs, engineers, and attorneys that function as an extension of your tax advisory team. They can help your clients with ERC, R&D tax credits, cost segregation, energy credits or deductions, and the work opportunity credit. And working with them is as easy as one, two, three. One, they offer a no-cost feasibility analysis. Two, they document all tax incentive studies to ensure that your clients meet all requirements. And three, they offer audit representation to ensure your clients aren't left hanging if audited by the IRS. To learn more about adding TriMerit to your team, head over to ohmyfraud.promo slash TriMerit. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash T-R-I-M-E-R-I-T. Caleb, totally taking a left turn from that. Oh, uh, I what, love a left turn. What, what, was your, what was the first concert you ever went to? And was it perhaps Tejano pop superstar Selena Quintanilla in Monterey, Mexico in 1994? No, it was not. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to leave out an air show that I went to when I was like six or seven, when Lee Greenwood showed up to sing God bless the USA. So I'm not going to count that. Is that all right? Uh, it was an air show. It wasn't a concert. It was an air show. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll let that one slide, but that's still a pretty damn good story. <laughs> I mean, I was very young. Anyway, the first concert I remember going to, uh, was with my parents when I was probably like nine or 10, a little bit older than this. Uh, mm. Lee Greenwood experience, and we saw Travis Tritt uh -huh. at the Nebraska State Fair. Ooh, that's uh, that's like country on country. Uh, very much so. Yeah, in the uh, in those days, the Nebraska State Fair was in Lincoln. It's not in Lincoln anymore, uh, but they held the concert at the the Bob uh, Devaney Sports Center. That's where they play the basketball games. 
so he, he did the show and then he came back for the encore and he was drinking a Bud Light uh, and the audience went nuts. And uh, my dad, who was not a drinker at the time, uh, thought that was in poor taste. The, the, a country singer drinking a beer on stage? Yeah, Travis Tritt, no less. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. And and I and I bet you you would probably not have tasted alcohol to this day had it not been for the bad influence <laughs> of Travis Tritt. Yeah, I, I I should blame it on Travis Tritt, shouldn't I? Yeah, it seems like a pretty logical thing to do. He's deserving of the blame. I think so. What about you, Greg? Did what, what about you? Was it did you did you see? Uh, uh, was it Nirvana? Was it uh, Sonic Youth? Oh, like, you're I, you're in the Northwest. You yeah. grew up in the Northwest. There must have been music everywhere. Yeah, no, there there wasn't. Not for me. <laughs> not for a uh, nerdy suburban uh, Greg. Mount but Lake Terrace, I, Washington, Greg. Exactly. Yeah, we. It, my mine. It was not. A super grunge concert, which would have been cool, but my first concert definitely beats Travis Tritt's Silver Bullet tour. <laughs> Wait, my, did you look up first... which tour it was? W- w- Travis Tritt's? Oh yeah. no, no, I just assumed because of the Bud Light at the end, it had to have been the Silver Bullet tour. <laughs> You're mixing but... up your macro beers, Greg. Am I okay? Well, that That's tells Coors you how. Light. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe you're maybe you're mem- maybe you're remembering it wrong. Um, so my first concert, uh, check this out, was Prince Purple Rain Tour at the Tacoma Dome in 1985. Oh, nice! Uh, and I, yeah, and I, I, I like to kind of line up my, you know, my first concert against other people's, and I think I, you know, in head-to-head battles, I usually will win. I'd say you probably concert. win. So, yeah. yeah. So my, uh, my dad uh, took me and my brother to the Tacoma Dome, we had really, you know, it was nosebleed seats. Uh, and and I will say this, when Prince touched his guitar like a phallus until it sprayed water on the crowd, my dad didn't say anything about it being in poor taste. So we had different experiences at our first concerts. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, okay, next question. Are there yes. any any genres of music or artists that you just uh, can't handle? That, like, like, th- like the absolutely just great against your soul? Yeah, I don't. I have I have pretty low tolerance for pop music. Yeah, yeah. Like if Ryan Seacrest is on a first name basis with somebody, then I'm probably uh-huh. not interested. <laughs> um, Dude, not me. I'm a sucker for pop music, oh, like so much. I oh, I God. absolutely am. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's exceptions. Like I, I mean, uh, like I like Rihanna. I like uh-huh. Adele, Lady Gaga. Oh. Yeah. But like. I have no idea why anyone likes Justin Bieber or Ed Sheeran. Like no, no idea. It just, I, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm with you. Adele's a goddess. So I, I yeah, hear she's you. wonderful. Um, okay. So in terms of bands that you just can't handle, uh, for me, absolutely. Neil Diamond, Billy Joel. Uh, I, I can't, I cannot do them. Josh Groban's hmm. also in there, but for different reasons. Um, oh. I have, I have walked out of stores uh, because Neil Diamond has come on over their sound system, and I have a theory that I can't handle him because I because coming to America, I think got stuck in my head for the entire year that they came out. I just could his his songs are like earworms, and there's something else that just oh, something there man. that I just can't handle. The dude Josh could write Groban, pop songs. He could write pop songs. Tell what? So wait, so what's the Josh Groban thing? Like, what's I that about? I I I, I don't like his demeanor. He oh, he's I, very he, kind of sanctimonious. He, yeah. He's, yeah, it's, there's definitely a, uh, it's just seemed, 
the the opera the operatic tone oh, in his yeah. voice feels like he's being condescending to me i don't know why <laughs> it, like to me specifically like he's going is you it, are is, are you intimidated no. greg are you intimidated by his talent is no no i'm say? not i feel okay. insulted by it i feel <laughs> like he's personally just through the the timber of his voice yeah yeah that he's personally saying that i'm not as good as him and that that pisses me off. Josh I, you, Groban. You can't be the only person having this experience. Though. And then he has these perfectly relatable cameos in The Office. And I go, but I hate you. So I ca- <laughs> like I, I have this, like, how ca- I'm laughing at your joke, but I hate you as a musician. So, um, but just uh, it's, since I'm sure he listens to the podcast, Josh Groban, meet me in the alley. I'm going to kick your ass. So everything's moving along. They've got a they've got a successful fan club. They've got these these fledgling boutiques that are that are doing quite well. But then in January 1995, uh, Selena's dad Abraham Quintanilla uh, started hearing some complaints from some fan club members. And the account in Texas Monthly uh, says this: several fans had complained that they had sent in their $22 but had never received the promised t-shirt, CD, picture, or biography. I do, just a quick aside, it's a demonstration of the inflationary time that we're in right now that $22 in 1995 would get you a t-shirt and a CD and a picture and a biography. Seems like nowadays you'd at most for 22 bucks maybe get one of those four things. It'd be a lousy t-shirt too. It, it would be. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by LiveFlow. Did you hear the news? LiveFlow just launched a new consolidation product. LiveFlow power user Beth Melcher of MoneyFit said that LiveFlow's consolidation is saving her team 15 to 20 minutes per client every week and eliminates the use of formulas. LiveFlow's automated multi-entity consolidation is simple to use. You can easily map multiple unmatching charts of accounts from multiple QuickBooks online companies into one standardized report. And once it's set up, LiveFlow works its magic, updating the consolidations automatically in real time, so you can focus on analysis using instantly updated data across entities. LiveFlow can even consolidate financials that are in different currencies, and the possibilities don't stop there. LiveFlow empowers you with flexible, powerful reporting tools to create customized dashboards that meet your specific needs. Build executive presentations, cash flow forecasts, and more with just a few clicks. Stop grueling over manual consolidation reports and to get 25% off your first three months, be one of the first 10 listeners to head over to ohmyfraud.promo slash LiveFlow. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W. So around this same time, things started going wrong at the boutique. Uh, Martin Gomez resigned his position as Selena's designer, citing Yolanda's toxic behavior as his reason. Some of the fashion models that they used for the clothing line didn't get paid for their work, and there were also problems just with payroll for the regular employees. So Selena's dad was like, this is, again, a businessman. He's he's run multiple ventures and even though he didn't feel like he 
had the capacity or maybe even the background to run the retail stuff. He is a, he can run businesses and he goes, that's absolutely not okay. And he was convinced that Yolanda, who is in charge of the boutiques and in charge of the fan club had taken the money inappropriately from both of those things. But interestingly enough, Selena trusted Yolanda like to the full and, and she would consistently and loyally defend Yolanda and just go, no, there must be some mistake. There must be some explanation for this. There's no way that Yolanda would do that to us. On March 9th, 1995, Selena's dad, her sister, Zuzette, who was also a drummer in Los Dinos, and Selena confronted Yolanda, who denied all wrongdoing, of course. Of course. And he was deflected. Because, yeah. She's not going to be like, yeah, I've been stealing from you this whole time, bitch. That's not not real fan club president (laughs) behavior. Yeah, I feel like the president, it's like, I would never. No, I mean. That that's how it's gonna go, right? Right, like, and that's I would a, never, Selena. Yeah, like an, which I, is exactly what it was, and it was it yeah. was even. I mean, and again, I'm probably being swayed by the movies and TV shows, but it seemed like it was very, very like like there was sort of some pleading, like how could you think I did this? I, th- yeah, no way. I I am your friend. I I would never do anything like that. It there must have been some you know some other well, explanation for this, as as it says right here. She tried, Yolanda tried to put the blame on to Martin Gomez. Yeah. Yeah. And Abraham uh, demanded that uh, Yolanda prove her innocence because, you know, we're not in a court of law here. So you're guilty till proven innocent. Right. And uh, and, and it makes sense. If there's, with all these complaints and all these very practical things, and Yolanda's at the helm, that's what, that's just natural where it's like, hey, either either tell me where the mistakes were or you're, you're in charge you're in charge yeah. you got to explain yeah. this somehow yeah you're the prime suspect lady exactly yeah so abraham demanded that yolanda prove her innocence and by the end of the meeting yolanda was relieved of all her duties pertaining to the quintanillas and their various businesses as selena and her father looked closer into the situation they were unable to find bank statements and other critical business documents yeah and and so, keep in mind i mean again we're talking like mid 90s so this is yeah. this is before the ubiquity of i'll just look it up online right. i'll go right. I'll go to my bank portal and download all the bank statements right when they confronted yolanda about the missing documents she claimed to have them in her possession And although she repeatedly said that she would cooperate by returning the documents, she also repeatedly failed to deliver the documents. Just like an innocent person would do. That's not good. That's not good. (laughs) No, not at all. I mean, again, it's just, you know, there's suspicion, there's prove your innocence, and then there's promises that are never uh, followed through on. So... Yolanda, you're digging yourself into a hole here. This is not how an innocent person behaves. (laughs) Not at all. Uh, Did did we mention that Yolanda was obsessed with Selena? (laughs) Did we? I think it it may have come up. Yeah. Yeah, And and, uh, this was something that I was able to substantiate. They they did a great job portraying it in the in the uh, you know the pop culture uh, places where you can learn about Selena, but also in in actual the news accounts too is that Yolanda was like it was over the top her obsession 
with because because you go okay she's president of the fan club so she's got to be very into selena no uh yolanda's home was plat like plastered with selena pictures and cutouts and photos like entire what not not like framed but just like you know like ripped out of a magazine and taped to the wall like entire entire gigantic walls were just that a former roommate of Yolanda's mm -hmm. described it as a shrine, and that roommate was so creeped out by Yolanda and by her behavior that she could only take it for two weeks and then bounced out of that living situation. Um, Yolanda's uh, life and her identity revolved around Selena. Uh, and, and again, obviously, her identity was fan club president it was manager of selena's boutiques but it also was just her this friendship with selena was so incredibly important to yolanda and at this point it's obvious that it, that was being taken away from her because of her alleged embezzlement of the money from the quintanilla empire and on march 13th 1995 Yolanda bought a 38 caliber pistol. Funny things about the account is she bought it and then she returned it and then she bought it again. Which On in Texas, March 30th, totally, which in Texas for what it's worth, <laughs> totally fine. Do it as much that's as you just like. That's a Tuesday. That's, that's just, a Texas Tuesday. That's just, that's an afternoon. <laughs> yep. Yep. Do you have this with a pink handle? No. Okay. Then I'll, I'll just get it again. I'll just, can I have it? Can I, I'll just have it back. I have the yeah. receipt. Right. Well, this it's okay. On March 30th, Yolanda had just returned from a trip to Monterey, and Selena met with her to finally retrieve all the missing paper bank statements and other business documents that Yolanda still had. And at the meeting, Yolanda told Selena that she had been raped while she was in Mexico. So Ooh. Selena, again, just demonstrating that Selena was a friend. Even in the midst of all this business bullshit, Selena's like, oh, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. And and in an effort to help Yolanda, took her to a doctor to be examined. And at the, at the clinic or wherever they were at, the results came back. And it was like, no, it's, it's inconclusive that anything happened to Yolanda. And so... After that, Yolanda confessed to Selena that she hadn't actually been raped. So Selena's just like beyond any last shred of patience with Yolanda. So they, she returned to the Days Inn Motel where Yolanda was staying in Corpus Christi. Uh, so obviously, tensions were sky high uh, because Selena had been repeatedly lied to by her trusted friend. And not just her trusted friend, but her trusted friend who she had defended like vehemently to her family, where her family's going, this lady's bad news. And Selena's like, oh, no, no, she couldn't have done that stuff. And now it's just becoming crystal clear to Selena that's like, yeah, this lady is toxic bad news and she's been lying and stealing from me. And so Yolanda's, from Yolanda's perspective, her world was being taken away from her. And so this whole confrontation about these documents that ended up taking them to doctors because of, uh, you know, claims of being raped. And now they're back trying to get the documents again. And this confrontation just completely exploded. 
and uh, Yolanda pulled the revolver out of her purse. In in the, they were in a, in a pickup truck, and Yolanda pulled the revolver out of her purse. Selena started to run away, and Yolanda shot her in the back while uh, Selena was running away. Yolanda screamed, "You bitch!" As she shot her, Selena dragged herself uh, into the lobby of the motel. Uh, and her last words that she said, they were like, who did this to you? And she said, it was Yolanda. Paramedics arrived three minutes later, which is, seems like a world record. But shortly after arriving at the hospital, Selena died from blood loss and cardiac arrest. Yolanda stayed in the pickup truck, had a nine and a half hour standoff with officers before she was taken into custody. Yolanda was convicted of murder in October 1995 and sentenced to life in prison. She's serving her sentence in Mountain View Maximum Security Prison in Gatesville, Texas, halfway between Austin and Fort Worth. And that's less than two hours west of Corsicana for the Oh My Fraud archivists out there. At the time of this recording, Yolanda will be eligible for parole in two years. She was never charged with fraud or embezzlement. So, Greg, did we learn anything? Uh, I think that this case is a very, very interesting story, not just because it's one of the few that we get to do that has murder, but uh, th- but there's a lot of interesting details in this case that, uh, that, that, that my mind has been kind of mulling over since doing the research for this. Um, one, one thing, and I guess a couple of things that I think, Caleb, it'd be good for us to just talk about explicitly is why she didn't get charged with fraud or embezzlement in this case. Um, uh, one of the things that I found, and it, it was a little difficult to even find this, but uh, there it, it looked as though, from my research, that there was like a preliminary hearing where her family testified about Yolanda's embezzlement, but then it never really went anywhere uh, from that, I don't. I didn't find anything other than just a, a brief account about an initial, yeah, initial hearing. That makes sense to me because we're only talking about thirty thousand uh, dollars. One thing I did find is a, another just data point that I found was that the boutiques earned the Quintanilla family uh, five million dollars, is what it was stated. Uh, I I hated that data point though because in none of the things there was multiple places where I found them saying that the boutiques earned five million dollars, but it never said like in what time frame. It wasn't like they earned five million dollars a year that that was their annual revenue. Uh, it never said from when they opened in 1994 to and and just epilogue point. Those boutiques were closed in 2009. Finally, so they had a they had a very long life after Selena passed away. But maybe it was five million dollars over that whole time. But then, if you look at that, you go, okay, that's you know, what, fifteen years and yep. five million dollars over fifteen years isn't a real amazing business. Not a great but, business. But but I a guess fine it's, business. A yeah, fine it's business. it's okay. It's a good side hustle. But but regardless, you can say they thirty thousand dollars was stolen from a venture that earned in some period of time five million dollars, and you go okay, thirty thousand would have been nice, but it's not 
a life or death issue for that venture and definitely right. not for the Quintanilla empire overall because no. the, the boutiques were just a small part uh, and maybe even, and again, this is my speculation, possibly the smallest part of the mm-hmm. Quintanilla empire. But then you also look at this where it's like, okay, if she's going, if they're going to pursue embezzlement with Yolanda, the only reason why they'd want to pursue that is if they could get the money back. And it does not, it, uh, nowhere does it sound like Yolanda invested the $30,000 that she stole in gold bars that they could go get. It, it was the money was just gone. Right. And, it, you know, it's pretty easy to do a cost benefit analysis of how much is it going to cost us to pay our lawyers to go after someone who probably doesn't have any kind of net worth to speak of at all. And then you go, oh yeah, it's not, it's, it's not there, period. This episode of Oh My Fraud is sponsored by the South Carolina Association of CPAs, also known as SCA CPA. Hey Caleb, you know I love diving into a juicy fraud case with you, right? But check this out. There's a place where accountants get together and talk shop and share knowledge about everything accounting related, including stories about untamed financials. Oh, tell me more, Greg. At every single one of my state CPA society events, there's a mountain of practical insights and experience. You get to meet other accountants, share knowledge, and even hear some firsthand accounts of financial intrigue. And here's the kicker, Caleb. You'd be hard pressed to find a better place for networking. I joined my state society as an undergrad during the depths of the Great Recession, and before I graduated, I had multiple job offers, all from firms that I connected with through my state society. Hey, that all sounds pretty good, Greg, but what else does a state CPA society bring to the table? Uh, They bring lifelong professional friendships, networking that'll turbocharge your career, and leadership opportunities. And on top of all that, your state CPA society is an unwavering advocate for you and for the profession. State CPA associations keep their fingers on the pulse of the constantly shifting business, regulatory, and legislative landscapes to keep you on the cutting edge and to protect the CPA profession. And as you know, protecting the profession means securing your livelihood. And hey, wherever you're tuning into the podcast from, be it the Palmetto State or some other state with a lamer nickname, there's a CPA association in your corner ready to ignite your accounting journey. If you're ready to find out why CPA Association membership is for you, head on over to ohmyfraud.promo slash SCACPA. That's ohmyfraud.promo forward slash SCACPA. Right. And then and then top that off with if you're just wanting justice to be served, she's got life in prison. So you can kind of go, okay, the 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 whole murder side of it, it you know kind of covers both bases and ter- if we just want to see someone punished yeah yeah i think that's right greg good um yeah. what uh our producer before we got on this our producer uh mentioned that his thought was that the uh whoever the the da would be in in the case like this would probably also go we got her on murder we're not going to invest the resources to get her for this this you know chump change embezzlement. Do you, what's your thought about that? I mean, when you think about 
when you think about all the cases, when when you think about all the f- like big corporate fraud cases that aren't prosecuted, uh-huh. it's because it's like, well, these are hard to prosecute. We're not sure juries can understand it. Oh, it's just like <clears throat> you know what they can understand? They can understand murder. So yeah. this is what we're gonna do. Yeah, and like and forget the money, right? That's a, but you also just touched on something else that I do think needs to be clarified. Like maybe a, just a glaring question in people's mind is like, how, how did she steal the money? And again, we typically look at cases that have been prosecuted on this podcast so that we can, you know, cause in, in the course of going through the court uh, system, uh, all that stuff is brought to light in terms of how they did what they did with this case, super easy. Uh, even though she wasn't, even, even though we don't, we don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, you know, we don't have firsthand accounts that this is what happened. But what we do know is that Yolanda as the manager of the boutique had signing authority on the checking account for the boutiques. So it, and, and same with the, uh, the fan club is she was in charge of the fan club so she could write fan club checks. And so there, there's a very, wide open door of opportunity for how Yolanda did this and just writing checks to herself or to her friends or to close family. And that's how she could have taken the money very easily. And I, I don't think there's any question that it was done in any way that was more uh, sophisticated than just, Oh, I can sign these checks. Okay. Then this check goes to me for $3,000 hey, to the order of moi. Yep, exactly. Now, uh, another th- when we're talking about what what uh, what did we learn from this? The other yeah. thing is that, th- and th- this is really more of like what what do you what is what is a real takeaway from this case? Small businesses need to stop trusting people, and especially yep. especially celebrities need to stop trusting people because certainly uh, family Yolanda, <laughs> or close right, friends, right? But. Right, but but think about that because we've done we've done webinars together where mm-hmm. we looked at Dane Cook, yep. and da- da- Dane Cook got a bunch of money stolen from him by his manager who was also his half brother. So yes. there's that. Um, we uh, Kevin Hart was he got stolen. He got uh, I think it was a, a, an assistant of his stole a bunch of money from him and he found out about that his friend was his assistant like a friend or a relative his assistant was uh, probably shouldn't have had the ability to well i think that was it i think for convenience sake i i don't know about the relationship so to answer your question i don't know that but regardless if if the whole thing is that small businesses and celebrities need to stop trusting people if you have an assistant and you go you know it'd just be easier if you had this credit card that's a bad idea if you if you're not reconciling the the credit card statement at the end of the month just giving somebody a credit card it shouldn't be what you do you there, there needs to be more controls there need to be internal controls like we talk about almost every episode and that's what's non-existent in small businesses uh, fun fact, even Billy Joel, he had $90 million. We're talking 30000 with Selena. Billy Joel had $90 million stolen from him by his manager, who also just so happened to be his brother-in-law. So just because people are related uh, by blood or marriage does not mean that they are people that you can trust. And I would even say, arguably, you maybe should trust them less. If we're talking about pop culture stuff, 
uh, Caleb, I just recently watched the biopic of uh, Whitney Houston, and Whitney uh-huh. Houston's dad was her manager. And for as much as you can trust the biopic, he did not manage her finances well at all and definitely lined his pockets more than he should have with Mm. her earnings. So all that said, do not trust anyone, family least of all. If you're starting a business, just tell family members to go straight to hell before working for you. That's good advice. Yeah. Caleb, did you, what 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 are the things that you learned from this one? I mean, all of this is very very good. I think the only thing that I would just like to go on record to say is that small businesses, and which you know sometimes when you're a celebrity or an entertainer, I should say, when mm-hmm. you're an entertainer, you are the small business essentially. Yeah, right? yeah, right. So, for those types of folks or small business owners of any stripe, just stay highly suspicious of people via elaborate and tedious controls yeah. <laughs> around your business. Yep. I mean, I don't know, Greg, you work in a small business and I'm, you might tell me that I'm wrong because they aren't practical and like they're annoying and tedious, but like if you don't want people to steal from you, follow them to the letter. You know? Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. I, I like what you said about how the entertainers are the business and, yeah. and, and I think the common denominator well, it, it's it's very similar. So I, I, I work for a group of medical office buildings. So I have a lot of doctors that I have a front row seat to their, how their business operates. And the weird thing about doctors, because doctors are also, it, almost every doctor has a story of some employee stealing from them. It seems ubiquitous in the in the medical profession. But again, the reason why is because you think the doctor's the main boss, the head honcho, but the problem is they're actually the the worker because they're the one who has to go take out the spleen. And so because of that, they don't have the time and they generally don't have the expertise to run the business side of stuff. So they have to outsource that to someone else. And then there goes the control, the, the direct oversight that they would have. Business, uh, or sorry, entertainers and athletes to the same the same exact thing where it's like you are the person who is producing the product for this business. Not just that you're the business, you're the, you're the factory is what you are. And so you don't have the time and the same thing. You don't have the time, don't necessarily have the expertise. And so finding a trustworthy person to run the business mm-hmm. is has to be a, a, a huge priority for you. Or like you said, just be... Well, I guess that's the thing. If you, if you, because your your suggestion was set up elaborate and tedious internal controls, but that implies that you know how to set up elaborate and tedious internal controls, right. and I don't think that there's that kind of uh, understanding of business with your rank and file celebrity slash athlete. Right, and whether you're talking about Selena or, or like a, a situation like Selena's, or you're talking about a small business. Yeah, you. I guess if you think about it from the entertainment perspective, that's why you know most of these folks who aren't who aren't necessarily uh, savvy with money, that's why they hire business managers. But of course, there are countless stories of celebrities also being ripped off by their business by their managers. business managers. So exactly, it's like, it's like, exactly. You know, Right. So well, that, which, the exposure is always there. I think for, yeah. for if you're if it's a small business, like if you're just thinking about your 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 garden garden variety small business, 
I think that th- that's a little bit more difficult, right? Where you have to like yeah. talk to a CPA or somebody and be like, hey, I'm worried about fraud because I'm paranoid and yeah. or I heard a podcast and they suggested it. Yeah. And the CPA will probably tell you, it's like, well, here's some things you can do. And you've we've talked about countless examples over the episodes where sometimes it's something as simple as uh, an approved vendor list, right? Yeah. Like yeah. something like that where you're just like, if they're not on this list, we don't pay them anything. Right. And- like, and most people don't think about that kind of stuff. So yeah. I don't know the, it talking to someone, either hiring someone or having someone advise you on how to protect yourself is generally a good thing to do. I think that's brilliant is being, having an awareness that you could get screwed and going to a professional and saying, Hey, one of my big concerns is I need help to not to get screwed. Can you help yeah. me with that? Right. And that's a great place to, that's a great place to start. Right. I love that. Absolutely. All right. That's it for this episode. Remember if someone has even one picture of you up in their house, don't hire that person. <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> also remember Prince is way cooler than Travis Tritt. And don't you forget it. Caleb I Newquist. Won't. I certainly will not. <laughs> If you want to drop us a line, uh, please do and and send uh, like an email is a great way to drop <laughs> us a line. And we've got an email address. It's uh, oh my fraud at earmarkcpe.com. Uh, Caleb, where can people find you out there in internet land? I'm on Twitter at CNewquist and LinkedIn. My full name, backslash Caleb Newquist. Greg, how can people get a hold of you? Well, if you're Josh Groban, you can meet me outside because I'm going to kick your ass. Uh, anyone else uh, can get a hold of me on Twitter at Greg Kite. I, I'm on Twitter less and less now. Same. Uh, LinkedIn slash Greg Kite. Yeah, Elon Musk just ruined everything. <sighs> I would argue if I could. Oh, my fraud is written by Greg Kite and myself, our producer, Zach Frank. If you like the show, Leave a review. It helps people stumble across this podcast. And we might read it on the podcast. And we might read it on the podcast. Maybe a dramatic reading. Yeah. Subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, any podcast platform. It's on there. You can find it. It is. You will. If you're an accountant, listen on Earmark. That's another place to get podcasts. Mm -hmm. And then you can get CPE. Yep. So easy. So easy. Join us next time for more average swindlers and scams from stories that will make you say, oh, my fraud. Oh, my fraud. <laughs>